Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Watkins-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. We needed to raise capital, but our experience with local financial institutions was that they were cautious and slow to act, and interest rates were far too high. We had real concerns about financing our business through outside equity investors and the possibility of interference. Could we get a fair valuation for our business? We had our own ideas about the business and its value. Should I go the traditional route of bank financing or should I try the Jamaica Stock Exchange? So we made a call and experienced transformation of our business through conversations. I'm John Mafood, CEO of Jamaican Teas, and we're listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Give us a call today at 876-967-3271 to begin your transformation through conversation. We want to see your company listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. In 2014, we won an account um, that was should have been at that time our transition to the next stage of growth in our business. We borrowed money, uh, went and rented new space. We sent people to the States to go and train. And we came back to start hiring people. And about six weeks after that, the client literally went dark on us, stopped responding to our emails, stopped, stopped coming on calls. And I started to really get worried because we obviously took on some expense and, you know, planned to, to be able to start meeting our, our commitments. And they just walked away. If you deprive yourself of outsourcing and your competitors do not, you're putting yourself out of business. Lee Kwan Yu. Hi, my people performer. What a guan. How are you today? Welcome. It is episode 151 of the Entrepreneur Review Podcast. I'm your host, Henneke Watkins-Porter. Today's episode is with Yanni Epstein. Now, the multi-award winning Yanni is a founding chairman and CEO at ITEL BPO, the region's largest homegrown BPO with eight sites in four countries, and a large network of at-home subject matter experts. Ranked among the 50 most influential executives for the Latin American and Caribbean region, Ione's efforts have helped to enhance the region's global positioning while establishing ITEL BPO's diversified geographic footprint. I'm really excited because today we're going to be talking about business process outsourcing and the entrepreneur. Welcome, Yanni. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Before we dive in, what's your favorite thing about Jamaica? Jamaica, um, it's diversity. Mm-hmm. You know, many islands in the Caribbean have a warm, um, warm set of people that are, that are indigenous to the island. Mm-hmm. But many Caribbean islands are just a big beach, whereas, you know, Jamaica being the land of wood and water, you have the mountains, you have the rivers, you have the beach. Um, yet there's so much opportunities and diversity to see here. So I think mm-hmm. we, are, we, we far surpass everybody else because of that. 
Yeah, I can see um, in terms of diversification and stuff, um, I guess we could perhaps even segue into uh, business process outsourcing, but not quite yet because I want to get a little bit into what the 10-year-old Yanni was like. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> um, so for, for, I would say from back then, I, was, I, was, I had the entrepreneurial spirit because mm-hmm. myself and my brothers... Um, and another friend that used to live up the road, we used to go and um, take all of the, the golf balls from that the golfers shanked into the bush close by to us um, and collect them. And then we used to make um, lemonade and then we'd go and set up a table right by the golf, by the golf course and sell back the golf balls and, and the <laughs> lemonade. So, so that was the, the entrepreneurial spirit from then. But the, the mischievous side of it is, uh, you know, I never, I never let people push me around from that age either because the, the kid, the kid that, that was with us, um, he decided because he was older that um, he must get a bigger share and essentially took all of the money and bullied us and left us. So we had to, we had to set up for him and let him know that even though we were younger, that we were partners and he can't teeth us. So. So you mm-hmm. you will never forget that we, mm-hmm. we ended up um, sorting it out properly. Okay, so I think you're going to allow us to leave that to our imagination, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. What did you want to be when you grew up? Actually, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a pilot, mm. and okay. I actually I can fly. Um, I believe but, I can fly. Uh, okay, but, I, but I'm not a pilot. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a licensed pilot, nor do I fly a commercial plane. But mm-hmm. but I can fly a plane. Okay, awesome sauce, awesome sauce. So now we are going to get into uh, I tell BPO, and um, you know I have watched that company from you know not really very closely, but from where I sit, I get to see the amazing things that you're doing and the accomplishments. And you know I remember attending one of those um, business process outsourcing conferences. I think it was the first of its kind that we had uh, was held in Montego Bay, Jamaica. Outsourced to Jamaica. Right, outsourced to Jamaica. And um, I could, from the look of things, your company pretty much dominated the whole thing. You know, um, you just being a partner and you are actual, um, a very big supporter of others within the industry as well. And for those who don't really know, I'd love to hear what is your elevator pitch of sorts for ITEL BPO. So, you know, I tell BPO when, when we speak to prospective clients, our, our differentiator is our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Jamaican organization, you know, that culture rings out a lot greater than um, our competitors on the ground who are also global, global competitors. So, so we, we have hang our hat very heavily on our culture. And the fact that we're extremely entrepreneurial, as, as the owner-operator, I'm very much involved in the business on a day-to-day aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that goes from managing of operations to developing the culture as we continue to grow. Most of these um, clients that we have are also working with some of the, the larger players globally. And one of the things they say is that they don't get that white glove level of service. They're not talking to the C-level within those companies that they operate in. And we, you know, we are, none of us are perfect. We all have our issues. Um, but being able to talk to the, to the top guys and girls in the team to be able to resolve and mitigate issues in the future uh, is a huge differentiator on what separates ITEL from, from the rest. 
And of course, um, perhaps I need to go back a little because uh, business process outsourcing, BPO, has become a buzzword, um, you know, not just in Jamaica, in the region, and I guess globally as well. But um, many persons may still not know, for some it may still be a jargon. So what essentially is business process outsourcing? So business process outsourcing is uh, where a company um, that is, could be anywhere in the world, U.S., Canada, um, South America, Europe, China, um, they essentially outsource a non-core aspect of their business. So for argument's sake, um, if your business is um, selling hotel rooms, your, your, the core aspect of your, of your business is to develop hotel rooms, um, provide a service while the guest is on property to ensure that they have a great vacation and that they come back. Your, your non-core aspect of your business or one of them is actually receiving that phone call and making that reservation for the customer. Um, and that's where business process outsourcing comes into play because we are in jurisdictions that are naturally cheaper than most first world countries. Uh, we're able to provide a cost savings, but we're also able to provide a better source of service because our core business is you know, hiring people, managing people, training them, motivating them, um, ensuring that they're, they're uh, meeting your requirements in, in service delivery and representing your brand. Um, so that's our core business. So that is why business, outsource, business process outsourcing actually has come about. Mm-hmm. All right. So you talk about the fact that, you know, um, based on where we're geographically located, we are in a better position. We're more poised, you know, um, to attract businesses, international businesses, global clients who want to, um, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, the benefit of cheaper labor, more affordable labor. Uh, but in terms of the, the intangibles, the attitudes and the mindset how is our people doing as it relates to business process outsourcing? You know, Jamaicans surpass everywhere in, in the world. Um, you know, we, 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 we go up against um, our competitors that have offices in the Philippines, that have offices in Central America, um, have offices in India, and, and the Jamaicans always are coming out on top. And that is, that is because of our culture as a Jamaican. You know, we have a, we have a, a natural culture to want to, provide good service to people. You want to build a rapport. You want to have a conversation. Our accent is, is neutral, but our accent is very cool. Everybody wants to be a Jamaican, right? So, so when somebody calls and they get somebody in India, they get somebody in El Salvador, they get somebody in the Philippines, it's just a, 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 um, a conversation that just flows from start to finish and gets the business done. Whereas when you get a Jamaican on the phone, people start to talk about Usain Bolt. They start to talk about Shelley and Fraser. They want to know about Bob Marley. They want to know about Beanie Man. You know, all of these different things. And it just, it builds that rapport that even when you're talking to an, an irate customer about a problem that you're trying to resolve, we're able to dispel the, the, um, the roughness from that irate customer because of our Jamaican accent and because of, of our, our, I would say, our, our uniqueness and our suaveness to, to be able to provide service to customers. All right. So I'm of the impression that um, when you're in this industry, then it, you're, you're being trained on accents and perhaps to standardize your accents or source. How, so how do you, because sometimes you, you know, person are talking to, you call a customer service rep and you happen to get a Jamaican who 
in my mind sometimes does not sound like a Jamaican. So, you know, is that encouraged, you know, to kind of make a generalized or standardized accent, if you will? You know, I think that if you look at the history of, the, of this industry, not in Jamaica, but globally, mm-hmm. um, it started in India in the, in the late 80s into the early 90s. And because of a very thick accent, they trained the Indians to, try to speak English, to speak American. Um, and if the Filipinos, when, as the industry transferred there, Again, they followed that same train because the negativity that was coming out to North America was like, I don't want to deal with the Indians. I can't understand them. I don't want to deal with this one. I can't understand them. So there have been aspects and, and it is really different by client. Some clients force you to do accent neutralization. Um, oh, that's what it's called. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, and, you know, Jamaicans love to twang anyways, right? Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so that is, so naturally, it also na- almost naturally comes easy for us, right? So some Jamaicans like to twang, so they appreciate that. And, and others allow, you know, the clear aspect of our accent to, to come out. And, and some clients demand it. Some clients say, look, I love it. And, and that's a differentiator for Jamaica because I've never heard somebody say, I can't stand how a Jamaican talks. Mm-hmm. Like I've just never heard that. And and no matter which Caribbean island you come from, whether it is Bahamas or St. Lucia or Antigua or Trinidad or everybody else looks at the Caribbean as Jamaica. Um, and that's something to be proud of. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about clients in a bit, but um, saying on our people, one of, and it has been my experience and I see it all the time that we have one of the biggest challenges with um, customer service issues. How do you train your people um, to mitigate against that and to maintain the standard that your company sets out to maintain? You know, it, it comes with a few things. So, so firstly, as I mentioned at the beginning of our discussion, is culture. You know, Jamaicans love to be a part of something that is going somewhere. So you have to, you have to develop a culture that is motivating them on a day-to-day basis. You have to develop a culture that is also training them. If, if, we, if we talk about the facts that, you know, I would say over 80% or higher um, of Jamaicans don't actually get a chance to go to tertiary education and, and a big percentage actually don't get a chance to go to high school. So the fact that you instill training into your culture, it, you're also bettering that person. So when, when Jamaicans see a, um, a trajectory of that nature within your culture, they want to be a part of that they, and they want to be successful. So that is the, the first aspect of things is developing a culture that you want to be successful in. Um, the next aspect of things is, is from a compliance perspective. You know, this industry is very, very um, high on compliance. So all of the phone calls are recorded. Um, there are speech analytic tools that are telling you what an agent is to be saying versus what they're not to be saying. Um, there are trainers and coaches that are listening to those phone calls and are coaching and developing that agent. So from a compliance perspective, we have to follow certain things. So therefore, when they step out um, or make a mistake, we have to rectify that very quickly or else you know, the, the contract could become in jeopardy or there's penalties or whatever the case may be from that perspective. So, so it's kind of two sides to it. You have the compliance and then you have the culture side to it. And that's how we keep people you know, in, in line. All right, let's get back to um, 
ITEL BPO, Yanni, and tell us what in, when did you start and what inspired you to start? So ITEL BPO started in 2012 with um, seven employees. Um, what inspired me to start is, you know, if I was to go back to when I was in college, um, I actually, when I, my grandmother bought my first car for me and she said that you have to get a job in order to pay me back for half of the car and to pay for your insurance and your gas and so on and so forth. So I was being taught a lesson that if you want something, you got to earn it. Um, and I, I got a job at a restaurant waiting tables and a friend of mine, um, Adam Stewart, whose family owns Sandals Resorts, um, said to me, why are you going to go work in the restaurant? Come on, work in reservations with us. So you can make more money. So I said, all right. So I left the restaurant and started working on the phone, so as a call center agent in college, part-time, selling vacations to, San, to people going to Sandals. Um, so that was my first um, you know, education of what a call center was all about. I can't say that I was the best call center agent or the most reliable call center agent at that time, um, but it gave me insight into the industry. And then when I, when I left school, I had an opportunity to come and open a call center for Sandals here in Jamaica. That was in 2004. So between 2004 and 2012, when, when I started ITLBPO, I obviously learned the ins and outs of the industry. The industry was very small in Jamaica at the time. Um, but I believed in our Jamaican people because I saw what I was able to achieve working for Sandals um, and developing a call center here. So I knew that the opportunities were there. I also knew that based upon... The market, you know, nobody knew about Jamaica was really um, a, a leader or could be a leader in this industry. I knew that there was opportunity. Um, so when we started the business and, you know, left Sandals, I, you know, I felt I, I'd reached a point where, again, that's not their core competency. And I'd reached a point where I think I had ended my tenure by achieving all the goals that I wanted to achieve for them. I said it was time to, to step out and take this risk. Um, mm -hmm. Myself and Lisa were just married a few years before that and we had our first child on the way and we both took a big risk by uh, and she actually was just starting the Branton Center at the time so we both took a big risk um, and said you know what if not now then never mm -hmm. so uh, Ita BPO was was born an interesting and, story <laughs> and we started with like I said with seven people mm -hmm. um, and today Today, we are uh, almost 3,000 employees across uh, five different countries because we've just recently announced at the end of last year that we're going to be opening in St. Lucia in um, April of 2020. So we're, we're now in five countries uh, with over th just over 3,000 employees. Very, very impressive, I must say. Back to ITIL again. What was acquiring your first um, client like? What was that experience like? Oh, it was tough. Um, you know, the, the hardest thing to overcome was that we had, we had experience in the call center world. Uh, we had the infrastructure, we had the facility, but we were not providing any service to anybody. So it is, was very difficult to convince someone to take a chance with us. Um, and the first account that we started, so we started in June of 2012, and um, the first account we actually started and took calls on was in August of, of 2012. And it was, um, was three people. 
And, and I will never forget the first, the first check that we invoiced, invoiced out for was $2,700 and that couldn't even pay the rent at the time. Um, but you know, we had a plan. We had, we obviously built, built our model that we had some, some cash flow to sustain us as we continue to grow the business and find, find new clients. And by the end of, by the end of that first, first year or the first six months, by the end of, of 2012, we had, um, we had about 45, maybe 50 employees and had three accounts that we were working with and, um, and we we're on our way. Mm. But, you know, through this journey, the, the, the job has not necessarily gotten easier. And, you know, it's always been about, you know, if you only have 50 employees, how are you going to take on my client? my work of, of 50 employees, I'm doubling the size of your business. How is that going to work? So, you know, that, that's always been the biggest hurdle to overcome is instilling confidence in that client that no matter how many seats they give you or jobs they give you to provide, that you can support it um, and you can sustain that growth. Mm-hmm. And back to the issue of, well, let's address the issue of funding. Was it self-funded? Um, did you have to raise uh, capital externally? How, how did that go? So we've, we've raised capital in, in several different ways um, throughout our journey. So number one, um, we, we had, um, I had some cash that I had saved up as well as we got a, a loan from, from Lisa's father to start the business. Um, about five months into the business, uh, we were put an, an opportunity was put to us with a, a, a longtime um, friend of mine who was older and more experienced in business, and he wanted to to get in for about twenty percent. So we had done some equity financing with him, and um, and then from there we took on um, debt financing along the way, but non traditionally because. You know, financing through the through the commercial banks have have always been tough. Oh yeah. Um, and we've actually we've we have some lines of credits, but we've never actually borrowed money from a commercial bank. We've always we've always went to investment houses. Um, you know, Mayberry, GK Capital, um, places like that um, to raise um, debt financing to do whatever we were doing. And then more recently. Um, we took a, a, a we took on some more equity capital and and sold thirty percent of the business uh, fifteen to Panjam investment and um, fifteen to Portland private equity um, so that was you know additional equity capital to continue to grow to grow the business oh good for you good for you and as we're heading to a close of this conversation Yoni I'd love to get from you. Why should entrepreneurs consider outsourcing? And what stage really um, entrepreneurs, you know, stage businesses should consider outsourcing their processes? So, I mean, it really all depends on on what's happening in your business. Again, it goes back to the simple question is to ask yourself is whatever is non-core to your product or your service, you should outsource. Someone is going to do it more efficiently and cheaper um, than you can do it because it's not your core core part of your business. So that that is the um, that would be the simple question that I would ask anybody at at any size of your business. I mean, I'll give you 
an example of a client of ours who started a business in the U.S. They started with two employees. We took on two employees for them. And, and today, 18 months later, we have about 30 employees for them because their business has grown because they took the decision from day one to outsource the non-core aspect of, of their business. Any final thoughts for you? Um, any final thoughts? You know, any entrepreneurs out there listening, wondering if you should take the risk, take a chance and do it? I would say that why not, right? You know, every, everything in life is a risk. We are, none of us know what the outcome is going to be. None of us know if, if it's going to work or it's not going to work. But the one thing that you will know if you don't try it's forever going to humbug you as you continue to, to grow in, in life. And um, there's definitely ups and downs. It's never perfect. Uh, all those things that you see on, online about it being squiggly lines and all over the place, it is, that is a life on entrepreneur. Today is great. Tomorrow is tough. The next day is 10 times harder. Next week is a phenomenal week. And that roller coaster gets more enjoyable and more amazing as you go along on your journey. So if, if you're thinking about it, take a chance. If it doesn't work, try again. There's always opportunities out there. You know, um, I, I'm very mindful that I need to wrap up, but there is just one question that I think I need to ask you, and it is, what has been your worst entrepreneurial moment, Yanni? <laughs> <laughs> In 2014, um, we won on account um, that was should have been at that time our transition to the next stage of growth in our business. We borrowed money, uh, went and rented new space. We sent people to the States to go and train. And we came back to start hiring people. And about six weeks after that, the client literally went dark on us, stopped responding to our emails, stopped, stopped coming on calls, and I started to really get worried because we obviously took on some expense and, you know, planned to, to be able to start meeting our, our commitments. And they just walked away. So I literally jumped on a plane one day and went to Orlando where they were based to try and, you know, be that 10 year old kid again to make sure I got, we got our money. And they gave us, they gave us some stupid excuse and. And we decided we were going to go and sue them. And then they wanted to counter sue us. And one day I, I woke up and said, um, you know, we don't have the money to fight this. So I'm either going to, you know, sink the business fighting this or I'm going to, you know, suck it up, um, lose a ton of money and figure my way out of it. And that was a decision that I took. And that was the best decision that I, that I made at the time. Okay. Suck it up and lose a ton of money. <laughs> I can relate there's, to that. I mean, there's, I, there's always a way out. There's always a way out. Absolutely. And I mean, I mean, in a very small way, well, it depends on how you look at it. Perspective is everything. I've had to do that too. You know, I was being um, sued because somebody claimed I was infringing on their, their copyright, their trademark, whatever, but that's another story. And I, and I eventually settled not out of guilt, but out of peace of mind. And you know what, just, just just um call it a day and, and move right on. And that's the nature of the beast, you know. Um the the nature of the beast that we're in entrepreneurship is a is a it can be a very exciting and great journey, but it's also one that is very dark and, and lonely. And I know that all too well. So congrats to you, Yoni, and all that you've you know been able to accomplish with your team. I know it's not um you know a solo effort. You have an amazing team around you, no doubt. 
and uh, you're doing quite well. And I want to say congrats to you. Um, big up to Lisa. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. You're such an you. amazing person as well. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you now if you can just uh, share with me how our community may get in touch with you. And then we just end right here. Sure. No worries. So um, my email is yanni.epstein at itelbpo.com. Um, uh, our office uh, numbers are 876-953-6907. Um, I tell BPO Smart Solutions on Instagram and I tell BPO on Facebook. So feel free to reach out and, uh, and connect. Thank you. Thank you, Yanni Epstein. Now, my people former, thank you for tuning in to this episode with Yanni Epstein. I certainly look forward to connecting with you next week. In the meantime, get access to my membership program for a one-time payment of thirty US dollars. Yeah, thirty dollars. This program consists of eighteen CNN, Forbes, etc., featured experts from four countries over four days, where they drop significant value bombs at the Entrepreneurial U SME Virtual Conference and Expo. I'm giving access to all eighteen videos for only thirty dollars. So, I'm really excited to share this um, so that you can find that content. Uh, content. I know you'll find the content. It's great, not only because it will give me an outlet for sharing these videos, which I've been wanting to do for some time, but because it will give you a way to support the show and make it even better. So you can support at glow.fm slash T-E-Y or on the show notes of your favorite podcast app. Remember, you were born to win, but to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. Well, good. 